Hello lovely listeners, we are back once again with OTC treatments and advice for some common conditions you may encounter in the pharmacy. As we head into the colder months, many people may notice changes to their skin, dryness, tightness and such, but for those with eczema and psoriasis, this can be incredibly significant. So, how can pharmacy help? Let's find out. Today I'm chatting with Christine Clark, pharmaceutical consultant. Hi Christine, how are you today? Hi Monica, I'm very well, thank you. Good, thank you so much for coming and joining me on the podcast today. Um, So could you tell us a little bit about you and the work that you do? Goodness, Uh, I'm a pharmacist, I work as a freelance medical writer these days, um, but my clinical expertise uh, is in dermatology. Uh, I did a PhD in dermatology and I've worked very closely with patient support groups in dermatology and I also served on the guidelines development group for childhood eczema, the NICE guidelines development group for childhood eczema. Brilliant Um, and we're really looking forward to talking to you today all things dermatology and we're going to focus on eczema and psoriasis. Um, So could you start by telling us who is affected by eczema and psoriasis? Well, I guess the answer is anybody, but there is almost certainly a genetic component to much of what we see, um, much eczema and psoriasis. You know, it tends to run in families. People will know somebody else in the family who's who's got it, uh, whichever it is. If I can take them separately, eczema usually starts in childhood. Uh, um, in fact, atop- uh, we're talking about atopic eczema here, of course, not allergic or irritant eczema. So atopic eczema affects about 20% of children, so it tends to be thought of as a, as a childhood disease. Now, a, a proportion of those will in fact grow out of it as they get older, but between 10 and 12% of adults are estimated to carry on suffering from eczema for much of their lives. Um, It's an inflammatory skin disease. Uh, I'll say more about that later. But the thing for patients is that it's relapsing and remitting. It comes and goes. And that can be quite frequent. One study in eczema estimated that that relapses occurred about nine times a year. So that doesn't leave you a lot of time without eczema, if you see what I mean. And it it can differ in severity in different parts of the body, which is a challenge for treatment. If I turn to psoriasis, now psoriasis is a bit less common. It actually affects about 2% of the population. Strangely enough, uh, that's about the same proportion as diabetes uh, mellitus, but we're perhaps less conscious of, of psoriasis. Psoriasis tends to start in the teenage years. Uh, it can also start in later life. There are actually two peaks. It's also a relapsing, remitting condition. Um, Plaque psoriasis is the most common. It accounts for 90%. So all my comments from now on will be to do with plaque psoriasis. Um, I would like to emphasise it's the relapsing and remitting feature of these diseases that makes them so distressing uh, and difficult to manage. Uh, We'll talk about triggers later. Um, But, you know, a a psoriasis patient once said to me in the clinic, um, I go to bed looking normal and I wake up looking like this. 
and and it, it's just despairing yeah absolutely and i i think it you know it's is one of those things where it, it it doesn't seem to be fixed it has to be managed and these flare-ups can be really stressful when mm. they kind of keep happening and um I really like there that you differentiated between eczema and psoriasis and I think um it might be quite helpful for our listeners if you could tell us how they do differ a little more because I think they kind of get lumped in together sometimes. Mm, that's, that's a good point. They do, but they are different conditions. So I'll try to point out the things that you might see and the things that patients might complain about. Um, I've also, I've already mentioned um, the differing times of onset periods in your life when they're likely to start, but let's start with eczema. Eczema predominantly affects the, the body creases and folds. Um, and it's the inside surfaces. It, by that I mean the inside of the elbow, the back of the knees, uh, the eyelids, the, the wrists, the inside surface of the wrists. And if you think about it, these are the areas where skin is thinnest, uh, so at its most vulnerable. We'll talk about causes and triggers in a moment, uh, and I'll relate that back to this thin skin. But eczema, it is a condition predominantly affecting the folds of the skin, if you like. Um, the appearance is very characteristic. It, it's, it's an inflammatory disease, so the skin is reddened, inflamed, um, and, and itchy. Itchy beyond imagination. That's the thing patients say keeps them awake at night. It's the most distressing feature after the appearance. Uh, and of course, skin that's been inflamed for a long time and been itchy for a long time has often been scratched a lot. So uh, more established eczema tends to be dry and rough uh, and tight. Um, some, one patient once said to me, you know, if I don't get an emollient on, I know I'll talk about that later, my skin is so tight that I can't flex my, my wrists and ankles as I would like to. Um, moving on to psoriasis, this tends to affect the outside surfaces of limbs. So where eczema affects the inside surfaces, the foldy bits, psoriasis, plaque psoriasis, predominantly affects the outside surfaces. So areas where you'll see it, or patients will tell you about, will be the outside, the pointy bit of the elbow, for example, or the shins on, on the legs. Um, also, the lower back, uh, which they may not show you or you may not immediately realise. And the other area that's really quite distressing is the scalp. Um, I can talk more about that if you want later. Um, a patch of, of psoriasis looks different from, uh, from a patch of eczema. Character, typically, um, a psoriasis plaque we talk about it coming in plaques, which just means a patch on the body, really. But psoriasis plaques are very well demarcated. It, you can see exactly where it starts and ends, where, where normal skin, as it were, ends and where the plaque starts. They tend to be reddened and raised. But the characteristic that people notice most is that they're covered in a silvery scale. And this is basically a dry skin layer on top with some air underneath, which makes it look a bit silvery. Uh, it looks a bit greyish on dark skin. 
but it, it's scale. And the point about skin scales is they flake off. So one of the things that people find most embarrassing is the amount of skin scales they shed. You, you know how people are embarrassed about dandruff because we've been taught to be embarrassed about that by television advertising. Well, if you can imagine shedding skin from a lot more of yourself than just your scalp, that's what it's like. One woman told me she had to vacuum the house twice a day because she shed so much skin. And I remember wow. one patient saying, it's so embarrassing, wherever I go, there's a trail of skin. And, and I hate being anywhere with a dark carpet. Uh, uh, and I, I thought she was exaggerating, but when I looked around the clinic, it's true, she was leaving a trail of skin. People find this terribly embarrassing. Um, the other thing about psoriasis is that it's often associated with joint disease, psoriatic arthropathy, and uh, nails can be affected. Um, and it, we know it's often associated with other systemic conditions too. Kind of, uh, it's feeling well, it's feeling very autumnal here in London today. Um, and I think potentially, I don't know if this is true or not, but sometimes people say the weather is especially um, triggering for their eczema and psoriasis. But is that true? And, and if are there any other causes and triggers that are quite common for people? Yes, I'll deal with your question first because it, it's a well-known feature of eczema and, and it's true, you, you're absolutely right. Um, some people with eczema complain of the autumn itch. You know when autumn's getting into its stride because your skin starts to itch and clothes start to irritate uh, and uh, it's a real feature. I think it's to do with changes in humidity. Uh, because we know that that affects uh, eczema very much. If if I go to the more traditional list, um, I think your question was about causes and triggers. I mentioned right at the beginning that we know there's a genetic component to these diseases. Um, starting with eczema, then, we know that the genetic differences, let's say, result in a weakened skin barrier. So the skin barrier isn't something you can see, but what it means is your skin, eczematous skin, is just not as good at holding on to water as healthy as non-eczematous skin, shall we say. Um, and I'm, I'm not talking about sweating or anything like that. The fact is water travels through skin and evaporates from the surface. Eczematous skin is just not as good at holding it in as other skin. And you need to hold water in. That's what makes your skin plump and flexible and soft and generally functional. So eczematous skin dries out more quickly. Add to that environmental effects, like central heating being switched on in the autumn, or very dry atmospheres, for whatever reason, and suddenly your skin is struggling to do its job, or oh, eczematous skin is struggling to do its job. Uh, so um, I'll come on to triggers in just a moment, causes. Um, psoriasis, we know, has a strong genetic component. After that, um, 
can I say there are a great deal of unknowns? We certainly know there are some triggers that will start off a flare-up. I'm, I'm hard-pressed to tell you exactly what the cause of psoriasis is. Uh, if we knew that, if I knew that, I dare say I'd have a Nobel Prize. <laughs> Coming on to triggers then, um, very well known for uh, uh, atopic eczema. For many people, it's, it's the same things that will trigger hay fever, allergens, animal fur, feathers, that sort of thing, um, pollens, uh, and so forth. Um, but also, coming a bit closer to home, anything that dries out the skin or makes it uh, harder work for it to keep well hydrated. So particularly washing with soap a lot, um, washing with harsh detergents, um, dry out the skin quite quite effectively. Uh, changes in humidity we've already touched on. But also things like scratchy fabrics, actual physical irritants uh, can trigger eczema for some people. And, and you know you can buy clothes with seams on the outside rather than the inside to put on children with eczema just so that they avoid that extra irritant effect. Although I, I think many people have had the experience of having a, a label um, continually irritate them, say, in a garment all day. The, the other thing, of course, is stress. Um, we probably all know people who, when they get very stressed, their skin starts to show it, uh, more so with people with eczema. And actually, they, they've done studies on this kind of thing, you know, students doing exams, and it is true. Um, when you're stressed, your skin reacts, particularly if it's already weakened in some way. Turning to psoriasis, we know smoking makes it worse. Um, and again, stress, psychosocial factors. Um, uh, I remember when I was working in a clinic, we, we had a patient whose psoriasis broke out when Manchester United won. He hated Manchester United. I don't know which team he supported, but he hated to see Manchester United do well. Uh, and um, his psoriasis broke out terribly when they had a great victory. <laughs> wow. <laughs> true, true hate to his core. <laughs> yes, I'm afraid so. Uh, it, it, was, um, it was a very stark illustration of, of um, what um, my, my mentor, Professor Griffiths, used to call the brain-skin connection. He said it, it's stronger than we think. Well, that, that's my little treatise on um, causes and triggers. Thank you. Um, and so kind of next then, I know that a lot of treatments are probably prescribed, but for our audience, is there things that can support these skin conditions over the counter? Well, yes, there are. Um, the problem is... The things that you can supply over the counter are not going to be suitable for controlling flares, flare-ups of, of these conditions. However, much of the treatment of mild to moderate disease in both eczema and psoriasis uh, hinges on uh, assiduous use of emollients to keep the skin in good condition. Uh, and those, of course, are available over the counter. Uh, I will also come on to the one moderate 
potency topical corticosteroid in, in just a moment. But if I deal with emollients first, emollients vary hugely. All emollients will trap water in the skin if you use them appropriately and improve the condition of the skin. And I, I've mentioned the importance of keeping the skin flexible and pliable. Uh, it, it, it's, um, it almost doesn't need saying, but perhaps it should do because for people with these diseases, it, it's even more important. So, um, <clears throat> Uh, the other thing I'd like to add is with psoriasis, it's not only a case of keeping the skin flexible and pliable. Actually, use of emollients helps to reduce the shedding of scales. Uh, and some patients find that particularly valuable because I've explained the embarrassment of shedding lots of scales. Now, emollients vary enormously. Some of them are little more than some lipid and some water with um. Uh, with a detergent in to make sure it stays dispersed. A good quality emollient will contain not only a water base and some lipid of some sort, but also some other ingredients. Most importantly, humectants. Um, things like urea, uh, as perhaps the, the, the most prominent example, but there are others too. Humectants are things that... Um, penetrate the upper layer of skin and allow it to hold on to extra water. And that makes a huge difference. So you can probably think of products that contain uh, humectants. Um, for example, uh, the Eucerin products. Um, uh, oh gosh, you can never think of an example when you want one, can you? Uh, oilatum contains a, a nice emoli uh, a nice humectant as well, and I'm just picturing the other thing. It's the one the students used to tell me was made from Norwegian fishermen, but but it isn't. Neutrogena dermatological. The humectant in that is glycerin, which again, old-fashioned, remarkably effective, very good humectant. It, it's also the humectant in some of the um, Avino products uh, and I would say always if if someone asks you for advice on a good emollient guide them to one that contains a humectant because it will be more effective uh, and the effects will last for longer and that really makes a difference when your skin is is drying out quickly so uh, good quality humectants if the skin is very, very dry, then you do need something that some of my colleagues call greasy. I hate being told to put something greasy on because I'm always afraid it's going to come off on my clothes and I'm going to leave fingerprints on documents and fingerprints on things around the office and that sort of thing. Uh, and there are some, again, this is where a good high humectant uh, emollient really scores. Uh, but if it if the skin is very dry, then you might need to resort to just something which is simply occlusive, like Vaseline, uh, white soft paraffin, for limited use. And don't forget, uh, there are also emollient wash products uh, and emollient bath oil, and they are terrifically important. Uh, if you're going to use emollients 
Maybe you, maybe I'm going to cover this in the next bit when it's self-care advice. Don't forget emollient wash products. I'll come back to this on the next question. I'm just coming back to over-the-counter topical corticosteroid cream. Um, and one product is available uh, that I'm aware of. That's Umivate Eczema and Dermatitis Cream, which can be sold over-the-counter for short-term management of acute exacerbations of eczema. It's only a small tube uh, and it is only a moderate potency topical steroid. It might just be enough to tide somebody over uh, before they can get a more potent steroid uh, if they need it to help to control their flare-up of eczema. I'll come on to uh, self-care advice in just a moment. Um, the thing I wanted to emphasise, the point I'd like to emphasise, is that Umivate eczema and dermatitis cream may not be sold for exacerbations of psoriasis. And the reason for this uh, is sometimes uh, stopping, stopping corticosteroids can itself provoke a flare-up of psoriasis. So for that reason, um, I think the, um, the license has been limited. Thank you. And so... Moving then on to self-care advice that you mentioned that you kind of touched on a couple of things already, but what do you think is the best self-care advice that pharmacy teams can share? Oh gosh, I've, I've got a list of self-care advice here. <laughs> Fabulous. We are very keen to encourage people to manage their own condition. Uh, as I said at the beginning, these are relapsing, remitting conditions Many of these people are people that you know who've managed one way or another or need to learn how to manage one way or another so that life is not interrupted too much by having their skin disease. So I touched on emollient wash products and emollient bath oil. One of the things that um, dermatologists recommend for people with eczema is complete emollient therapy. This is basically avoidance of soaps and detergents, application of emollients on a regular basis to keep the skin flexible and pliable, and using emollient wash products so that you don't, as it were, undo all the good that you've done with applying the emollients by suddenly stripping them away with a bar of soap or um, a, a, what you might call an ordinary shower gel. Emollient wash products are basically dilute versions of topical emollients. The, the detergent in them is the surfactant that was used in the formulation, and they're much milder than those which you would get in a conventional shower gel. So basically, it, you, you keep up the good work, as it were, if you use an emollient wash product. And things like... Um, uh, uh, double base shower gel, hand wash, E45 shower product and hand wash. Most of them ha have them these days, most of the ranges. Uh, and it's really important because, as I say, you can undo all the good work you've done if, if you reach for a bar of soap uh, and, and strip away all the uh, nice emollient that you've just applied. Emollient bath oils... Uh, I know I've had the thumbs down from some quarters, but really, if you've got eczema, it's really nice to step into a bath with an emollient bath oil. It takes the sting out. And that's nice if you're an adult, but my goodness, if you're a child and you don't understand, 
it's pretty important. Also, if you put an emollient bath oil uh, uh, into a bath, as you come out, it kind of gloops onto you. So it's another bit of emollient added. So uh, that's important. Understanding the importance of the importance of effective washing and complete emollient therapy. The other thing uh, you mentioned earlier that most of the treatment is prescribed. The treatment for managing flares, which for eczema and psoriasis is going to involve topical corticosteroids particularly so for eczema. And I would just like to say, we would like to encourage people, we in the dermatological community, would like to encourage people to keep some steroid creams and ointments at home ready for when a flare starts, because the sooner you start treatment, the less treatment you will need and the quicker you can get it under control. And anyone who has eczema recognises when the flare is starting. So I would say keep steroid creams and ointments that you need at home and make sure you've got them labelled so you know which is the moderate and high potency steroid which would go on trunk and limbs and which are the uh, milder potency steroids which would go on more sensitive areas. That's really important for self-management. Um, <clears throat> Another point I would just remind people about is don't stop the emollients when the flare starts. Uh, you need both emollients and the topical corticosteroid or the topical calcineurin inhibitor, whatever you uh, have been prescribed. If you can identify triggers, and you can't always, but if you can, um, try to avoid them if possible. Modify your lifestyle if you can. It isn't always possible. And after that, it's back to general healthy living. You know, good diet, plenty of sleep, exercise, all those things. Absolutely. And that, that contributes to everything, doesn't it? Um, before we um, go on to signposting, I just wondered if you could say a little bit more. You'd mentioned about the scalp earlier. Yeah, I just wondered if you had any more to, to say about um, that. Yeah. Um, Scalp disease with psoriasis is can be particularly distressing. Uh, now, sometimes it's uh, sometimes it's treated with topical steroids. Sometimes it's treated with um, the old-fashioned treatment uh, was compound coconut ointment, which actually works quite nicely if you've got the patience to deal with it. Scalp psoriasis is distressing because of the amount of scale that's shed and normally it extends just a little bit beyond the hair margin. So you've got this obvious bit of redness and bits of scale dropping out. So it's embarrassing. Now, use of compound coconut ointment or other emollient treatments really depends on applying them carefully to the scalp, carefully and gently uh, in the evening and keeping it on overnight so that it penetrates the scale. You can get incredibly thick scale on the scalp. Uh, I, I, I assume it's because the hairs trap it there and it's difficult to get out. Um, often people are provided then with a, a, a suitable shampoo to wash out the um, wash out the coconut ointment because obviously you'd want to do that. 
And the advice that uh, we used to give people in the clinic was massage in the shampoo to the dry hair, dry but sticky hair, first before you wet it, because you really need to get it in. If, if you like, you've got the emollient on the scalp gently softening and lifting the scale, and then you need to get the, the detergent in to lift all of that off and rinse it out. It, it's, a, it's a bit of a long performance, but that's the way to get the best effect out of it. Brilliant, thank you. And and along along the vein of self management, um, where can pharmacy teams signpost people to for further support? Whether that be dealing with an actual flare up or even perhaps mental health support. Mm. I'm really glad you've asked me that because whenever I've pointed patients towards uh, patient support groups, um, they've been uh, enormously impressed about what can be offered. So for all of those things that you mentioned, uh, well, perhaps not, if if you've got a flare-up and you don't have any treatment, then you need some prescribed treatment. Uh, um, But if you need advice on how to use things or you need mental health support or you're just looking for, there can be any one of a number of things. There are two very good patient support groups that I'd like to point out to you. Um, for eczema, the National Eczema Society, uh, you can find them easily if you Google them. They have a helpline uh, and they they deal with a lot of questions a lot of the time. And they have lots of information leaflets as well. If, if by any chance you actually join the National Eczema Society, they have a very nice little magazine uh, which has really very informative articles written by dermatologists and patients and pharmacists. So a wealth of information there, uh, lots of helpful experience. Sometimes just being put in touch with other people who are dealing with the same thing can be hugely helpful. Uh, for psoriasis, I would suggest the Psoriasis Association, uh, long established, again, lots of information available. Uh, and um, a good place to signpost patients to. Brilliant. Thank you, Christine. Today I'm chatting with Ryan Suklal Grizzle, a 26-year-old who has suffered from psoriasis since he was 19 years old. Hi, Ryan. How are you? Hey, Billy. All good, thank you. How are you today? Yeah, good too, thank you. Um, So could you take me through that first diagnosis, please? So back in 2015, I think I started getting like, well, rashes on my skin, or I'd say my skin was shedding more. Um, And I went to the doctors and basically as a kid, I actually had eczema as well. So initially they thought it's just my eczema that's just gotten worse. And then funnily enough, one day, like the GPs just carried on diagnosing me like I had eczema or they thought it was a fungal infection. So they were giving me different treatments. And then one day I was at my neighbor's house and on TV, um, there it was like, good morning. And someone was on it and they had psoriasis. And then I went to the doctors and I was like, I think I might have psoriasis. And then they looked at it again and they were like, yep, that is probably psoriasis. Um, and that's that's how I got diagnosed through seeing it on TV and then being like to doctor, this is what I think I have. <laughs> <laughs> so don't believe what you see on TV is actually not the case. Yeah, but I've also it's also a case of like so I'm black as well. So um, uh, my skin complexion is obviously different to what 
Western medical doctors see. So usually if you had white or fairer skin, it would be quite like red rashes and you'll see the skin replicating, whereas it obviously it looked a bit different on my skin. So I think it just made it a bit harder to diagnose at the time. Um, so yeah, that just worked out that way. And do you think that's kind of a lack of education? Obviously, lots of Western medical books um, and medical courses use white skin as the example. Do you think that might have been a reason behind? Yeah, potentially. It, it just seemed like the uh, it's not like the common thing you would see in a in a book. Or even if you go and Google, you you would predominantly see it on white, fairer skin and not that skin. So, yeah, I think so. So once you were um, diagnosed, what was the support like from your GPs? Did they, um, like, do you have regular checkups or did you go and see the pharmacist? How did it work? So um, I used to just go to the GP and the initial stage, it was, it was only on a small part of my body and just my legs. Um, and so I just used to go to GP uh, when I ran out of medication. So initially they gave me topical steroids, which helped to like um, keep it at bay and not make it so severe. But then as I progressed throughout 2015, my psoriasis spread until it reached my like literally my entire body. Uh, and at that stage, it was like, oh, we can't use topical steroids anymore because it's just, it's just not good to be on, on them for too long. And then on top of that, to put that amount of topical steroid on myself, it would just be like the doctors would give me a dose and then it would run out. So, um, yeah, my journey with psoriasis is quite intense so <laughs> and very severe so I've literally done every single treatment based on how severe it got so initially when it was on my legs it was a topical steroid and then from there we um when it got more severe I moved on to you the PUVA not PUVA the UA, UVA surgeries uh treatment sorry I need to find the correct name for it. But <laughs> what it was is that I literally used to go into a, like it's, it's a sunbed machine, but it actually had the correct UV light band. Uh, and I used to literally go into the hospital twice a week because that's what the Dr. GP's moved me on to, go into the hospital, go and stand in this like sunbed for like five minutes at varying times. Uh, for a period of time and that lasted like six months or so and then at that point my psoriasis all disappeared <laughs> oh, wow yes but the thing with psoriasis is that it's a chronic disease and it's like there's no cure for it so even though it then it all disappeared from taking using those like sun bests, um it then came back uh and then from then onwards i got put back on the topical steroids for a tiny bit and then I, I had to go back to the GP again and they put me back on the, the same treatment. And unfortunately, the second time around, it didn't work as well. So after that, I then got put on PUVA, which is a very similar treatment. But this time I actually had to go into the hospital again twice a week. But I would go, go like basically sit in a bathtub in the hospital and they'd put in some medicine or whatever just to make my skin more sensitive to light. And then I would get in the sunbed machine and that again helped treat my skin. And then it came back again. <laughs> and, then, oh and then from there onwards, it was like, okay, this isn't working because it, 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 it keep it at bay for a while and then it come back. So then they moved me on to some medications. So I've tried acetronin and then I also tried methotrexate 
And it was basically like you take a tablet once every week or, or two weeks, dependent on the medication. And um, what I found with the first drug, the acetronin, was that it just I got loads of side effects because you're not really meant to drink on it or any like no alcohol. So I had to reduce my intake massively during that period. But I just got loads of like really bad side effects. So they moved me on to methotrexate later on. Um, and methotrexate was helping to like um, make my symptoms like less severe, but it wasn't really getting rid of the psoriasis. Um, and then from there onwards, I moved on to cyclosporin, which they recommend to give to people to just have like, it's like a quick fix. It's really, it really, it actually helped cure my psoriasis quite a bit, but you're not meant to be on it for long periods of time. Um, so I was on that and then <laughs> they then stopped me using that because I finally qualified for Humira or Adalimib, I can't pronounce it, but it's a biologic and that's the medication I'm currently on. And now it's, they send like a bulk, a bulk batch of injections that I store in my fridge. And I now take an injection once every two weeks in the morning and, um, yeah, I do that. And now my psoriasis is all gone. It's, a uh, it's clear and it's at bay um and yeah it's it's been good but i think i now need to stay on this for the rest of my life <laughs> okay. so so for the rest of your life you'll be doing these ejections bi-weekly is that the blimey and how was that obviously thinking it was cured it coming back or thinking it had been treated how did that take a toll or did it take a toll mentally on you um admittedly yeah so when I say I had severe psoriasis, I remember when I went to see the dermatologist at the, um, the hospital and she is like, she just loves dermatology. She loves seeing like how your skin could be affected. And she went to me, you got really beautiful psoriasis. And by that, she meant it's just so severe. I remember her calling in other doctors to come into the room to like <laughs> see how bad it was because I'm like the peak specimen of how bad psoriasis could get. But uh, yeah, no, it, it, during the time I had it and when it was most severe, because it was literally all over my body, like I was obviously quite um, self-conscious of it. I remember I always used to like wear long shirts, wear long trousers when I can, like as much as I can. And so even if it was like summer, I would still be wearing long trousers and shirts just because I was very self-conscious about it. Um, and obviously when I was on these treatments, it got a bit better. So I'd then wear, be more open to wear short sleeves and stuff. But generally, I'm like quite active and play a lot of sports. So when it came to playing sports, it'd be all very much in show. But I didn't really, yeah, it was quite a, it was something you're obviously quite <laughs> insecure about at the time. Uh, yeah. And I have noticed recently since it's all gone, like my self-esteem and my confidence has improved a lot. And it's only now looking back at it, I realised how much of a toll it took. But um, yeah, we're on the other end of it, so it's better. <laughs> that's good how long have you been on the um treatment that's that seems to be working about two or three months so it's still early days for oh, me wow. but yeah but it, it's all going going great so far yeah no it's, it's amazing genuinely like it's all it's all healed up like my skin's not shedding as much anymore um yeah i don't like bleed or anything like it's literally like you could it's like it was never dead there but um i obviously have a bit of like scarring from when, where I had my psoriasis so there's like marks on my body where you could tell I had it but it's like my skin's all clear so you wouldn't really know so it's all good I'm like I'm very grateful for it and that's all worked out at 
the stage. That's perfect. I'm so pleased too after what eight years of trying to do the maths then. Eight yeah. years of trying. That's insane. Um and just finally, is there anything that you think um I don't know, the staff giving you your prescriptions or the like, healthcare professionals in general could have done more to help make the process smoother? Was there any, was it easy for you to access advice and support? Um, yeah, was there just anything they could have done more, really? So I would say I've been quite fortunate at the latter stages, but initially it was just, I, I obviously had the problem of they just didn't know what they were treating, and which was a big problem at the beginning. So it, it just, it, it's taken a while like it's, it's taken seven years for me to get to the right medication that I need. So initially I thought it was a bit unorganized, but obviously that's the diagnosis phase. But as soon as they knew what it was, I feel like everyone's been very supportive. Everyone's always given me my list of options and what I could do uh, and what treatment would best suit my lifestyle. Because for some, for some of the medication, you can't be drinking alcohol or it's not good to have certain diets. Um, and I feel like I was very well informed about what the pros and cons of every treatment and what would best suit my lifestyle. Um, the only thing is I'm grateful for the NHS because it, it's allowed me to get these um, these treatments, which are usually quite expensive as well towards the end. But it's, you obviously, because it's a free, free treatment uh, and it's like paid by the government, I had to jump through quite a few hoop, hoops to get to the medication I'm on now. Uh, because the medication I'm on now is the gold standard. Um, but yeah, it just took a while to get here. So it's like, <laughs> what could have been done in one year took about six or seven, unfortunately. But yeah, that is, that's are. annoying. But I guess at least you know now um, that it's all going to work out. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and you've mentioned that you were um, moving to Australia in a couple of months. Do you, yes. um, have you spoken to them about... Uh, different climates do you think that would affect it at all Has there so been... one thing about psoriasis is that uh, this hence the the sunbed treatment is that the sunlight is actually really good for it uh, and i've been to australia before when my psoriasis was quite severe and um, it actually made it quite a bit better at the time just being in the sun which wow. is one reason why i'm quite keen to move there and then on top of that i obviously now need to move to australia and make sure i'm getting the same medication because it's not medication i could get over the counter and i would say my doctor's at my hospital and have just been amazing like as soon as i mentioned to them that i'd be moving there about my treatment she's gone out and contacted the doctor in in australia got all the information for me that i now need to sort out for my next steps moving forward when i move over so um yeah i now need to work on making sure i get the same treatment in australia um and they've helped me find the right path to do that so hopefully it works out smoothly <laughs> yeah that's incredible that's amazing about it, it making it better um, for your skin that's that's great news um fab okay thank you so much ryan for coming on the podcast today thank you Millie. it's been a pleasure thank you to christine ryan and millie and we hope this podcast can help quell that autumn itch pharmacy teams i'd like to emphasize just how much you can make a difference to everyone out there with eczema and psoriasis there is so much support available and no one should have to feel alone or embarrassed about their condition please check out our show notes to find the links to the great resources we've mentioned and help your customers access further support today until next time i'm monica west and this is category insight